from like Twitter. And with me is Dylan Flynn Hi, Glenn. and Trevor Ickrad. Hey, Gwen. Welcome to like State of Swift. Welcome to State of Swift. <laughs> Welcome to the State of Swift. <laughs> Uh, I guess I guess what we should do is because it's the first episode is we should introduce ourselves. Let's start yes. with the one who everybody probably knows already, and that's you, Gwen. Hi, this is um, I'm Gwen. I am 16 years old. I am from California, the Bay Area, and I love Taylor Swift a whole lot. <laughs> um, I've been to Taylor Swift for 11 years. Um, I'm also really into gorillas. And also really into My Chemical Romance. And that is my jam. (laughs) That's kind of how you uh, first came across uh, me and Dylan, Gwen. Yes. You know, I host a popular, a contextually popular (laughs) Gorillas podcast. (laughs) Yes. And you're a regular listener. You've contributed some stuff to the show and we follow each other on Twitter. Right. I've been listening for like a year now. It's been like a whole ass year, y'all. Yeah. Yeah, You're probably one of our oldest fans. Definitely. 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 Oldest and most valued. Oh, thank you. <laughs> For sure. And also, also, you're you're very modest one, but you're also a, a very accomplished young artist who makes really lovely uh, paintings and, and sketches, that off, often of Taylor Swift. You've done yes, some very yes. good pieces She's of my, Taylor Swift. my right? favorite subject to draw. Um, Dylan, do you want to say a few words about who you are? Sure. I'm Dylan Flint. I'm... Uh, I'm 30 years old. I, I'm technically I'm still a stand-up comedian, but I have not been going up a lot lately because I have a seven-month-old daughter named Ramona Yay. who takes up a, a lot of my time. <laughs> um, but I'm also a podcaster with Trevor on our, on Hallelujah Monkeys, and I'm a podcaster with Gwen on, on uh, State of Swift. And yep. <laughs> uh, I like Taylor Swift. I don't yeah. have anything against her. I like a lot of her songs, but I'm definitely not a member of the of the of the Stan family. The Swifty Army. Trevor, uh, how about you? I'm Trevor Ickrath. I'm a writer in my late twenties, living in Los Angeles. I have several podcasts, including Dylan R. Gorilla's podcast. I do a show about one hit wonders with my good friend Maxton Stenstrom and now I guess I do a podcast about Taylor Swift Yay. with uh, my good friends Dylan and Gwen. Yay. I just realized, Trevor, that you have a podcast about Taylor Swift, a podcast about gorillas, and a podcast about My Chemical Romance. So you're like <laughs> you're, you're Gwen's favorite podcaster. Right? Oh hell yeah, man! You've got taste. Thank you. Um, so I've I've been into Taylor Swift um, for like eleven years or something. Yeah, and, and that's almost all of your life. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah so like i remember the i remember vividly like first grade i was sitting by this tree that i always sat by and my friend we were sitting there and she was like have you ever heard of taylor swift and i was like no who's that and she was like oh my gosh you haven't heard of taylor swift you have to come over and i have to play you her album and i was like okay so we did and that was that was it and then did you play the whole thing at her house i mean probably because she had like the cd so i assume so that's probably that's so high pressure when somebody plays you a record and, that they love, and they're just staring at you. Like, do you love this part? Do you love this part? But you did love this part, because you're, you're here now. I did, obviously, because I still love her 11 years That's later. crazy. At that time, did she just have the first record out, or was there more? Um, I think she had her first album out, and I think she was, like, about to release Fearless, because I remember we both tried to give each other Fearless for, like, Christmas, but then we ended up just having two copies of Fearless on accident. So So you basically got in on the ground floor. Yeah, I've been here since, like, I mean, not, like, day one, but, like, 
like day two, you know? Yeah, I feel that. Sure. Trevor and yeah. I are coming at this a little yeah. differently, right, Trevor? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I think the first time I heard Taylor Swift, I was probably just about to graduate from high school. Oh, wow. I was like 17 or 18, so it was like 2008. Mm-hmm. And I think Love Story was big around then. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Love Story had just blown up. Um, you know, I, I was like an 18-year-old boy, so like I wasn't too into it, as you could imagine. Not yeah. really my kind of thing. Probably, yeah. uh, and then I like kind of heard like some of the other singles that would come out after that in the background, like "You Belong with Me," uh, probably like uh, fifteen. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't see those getting the kind of same level of attention that Love Story yeah. did, but like I heard them. Yeah. Then she came out with Red, and like those singles were everywhere. Oh yeah. Like I, you, yeah, you couldn't yeah. you couldn't go ten minutes without hearing like "We're Never Getting Back Together." Oh, yeah. Or I knew you were trouble, or twenty two, awesome. uh, and that was when I actually started thinking, "Hey, Taylor Swift is pretty okay as far as pop goes. These are some decent songs. I'm not a big mainstream pop kid, but I can get down with this if it's on the radio." I definitely, I definitely myself also skew towards like girly pop music. <laughs> I really love a lot of lady pop stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I first I remember first becoming aware of Taylor Swift. I was in high school, and I remember our song was a big hit, and it was. But I remember condescending to it at the time, <laughs> being like, "This sucks. I don't like it." Uh, and then I remember if, like a, this this vivid memory of a few years later of being on like I think I was, I must have been on. AOL Instant Messenger <laughs> was that still happening? Maybe, and this this person I went to school with, who I was like kind of friends with, but she was she was one of these people who wore like really really intense like makeup and always smelled super floral, <laughs> like she was a really yeah. made up person. Mm-hmm. Was just like was just messaging me on AOL Instant Messenger, like freaking out about Taylor Swift and how I had to <laughs> listen to these Taylor Swift songs. And she was like, she writes all of her own stuff. And she was very excited about it, and I, and I kind of filed it away as like, okay, so Taylor Swift is like still happening. People still care. And then just like you were saying, Trevor, like, Red came out, and it was so kind of undeniable of a moment in in pop culture that I that I. But that's the thing. So the reason I think the reason that this podcast started happening, uh-huh. Gwen, is that Trevor Trevor and I follow you on yeah. Twitter, <laughs> and. And it's it's given us like a really interesting look into your Taylor Swift world yeah. that we're not really a part of. I think. Yeah, the the, the Swifties are they're it's like it's like every, it's all times it's like everything has it's like a thing it's like because there's I mean now like there was way less of us before but now there's like it's like every era it's like quadruples the number of fans and then it just becomes like it's like the drama itself quadruples and so like back in like the speak now era like it was chilling you know but now it's like crazy you can't go a single day without everyone fighting with each other because there's like it's like this weird like there's like a hierarchy of like if you've met Taylor, you're better than everyone else, and if Taylor's liked your posts, you're better than everyone else. But if she's never noticed you, then you're irrelevant. It's like this weird. It's so. It's the worst. At every tweet feels like <laughs> it's it's like ten levels deep into a thing that I don't understand or something. Pretty much all of it can stem back to the rule. <laughs> the it's rule. The rule. What's the rule? <laughs> so What's the rule? so basically, Taylor Nation says. 
Like, you can't meet Taylor more than once, which is totally fair, in my opinion. Can we establish what... What's the, wait, 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 Let's back up one second. What is... Back up. What is Taylor Nation? <laughs> yeah, explain that. Oh, okay. So Taylor Nation is her team. Like, her, like... Like, so, like, when there's, like, a super huge, like, s- singer or whatever, they have, like, a like an official fan page, like, an official update. Like, this is, like, her team that, you know, gives out some of the meet and greets or, like, posts stuff about, like, tour and, like, just stuff like that. Like, they're pretty much, like... But, I mean, that's that's kind of the extent of, like, they don't really interact with us in, like, a friendly way. It's more of just, like, we're going to spam you with links to buy her merch. Um, but anyways, so Taylor Nation, like, at each, just each show in general, they're walking around, and, um, they give out free meet and greets, like, if you're looking like you're having a great time, which, which sounds like it's, like, really great in theory, and it it is great, but now it's become, like, everyone knows about that, so everyone dresses up in these ridiculous, like, costumes, and, like, I do too. But oh shit! It's, <laughs> it's like peacocking to get Taylor Swift. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like, like so, it sounds like a real Hunger Games scenario. It really is. Yeah. And so it's like the the bigger, the wilder your costume, the more chance you'll be noticed by Taylor Nation to meet Taylor. And so it's it's become like a everyone sort of knows what Taylor Nation looks for. So, so wait, so, so wait. Like, These people who are fanning through the crowd, like giving out the golden ticket. How ma- how many of them would you estimate are like wandering around a venue at a Taylor Swift? Show? There's there's probably like um, I mean I haven't seen them because I have not been chosen to meet her. But from what other people have said, there's been, there's like fifteen generally walking around. Like there's not too many. Do they tour with like, her? Do they do they does she hire new people every city or do they tour it's, with well, her? Well, it's basically just I think I think it's just people who work there kind of that are with Taylor Nation. I actually don't know how that works, but it's also her mom. Taylor's mom walk, walks around. <laughs> <laughs> does, her, does Taylor's mom give passes to meet her? Yeah, and so if you but her dad gives out guitar picks and so um, but now people know that, so whenever they see her dad, they run up with their hands out, like, expecting guitar picks. It's like, it's like all these things that were supposed to be kind of like a, ooh, you know, if you're, you know, really into Taylor, you'll kind of know this, and ooh, you know, you could meet Taylor, ooh, you could get guitar picks. Now everyone knows about it, and everyone's abusing the system, and it's becoming, like, totally chaotic. So, so yeah, if, if you go to a show, everyone is, like, people, there's been so many people who buy multiple tickets to shows not because they want to see the show a bunch of times but because they want to dress up in the biggest costumes they can to walk around the stadium the whole time trying to find her mom so they can go backstage. Wait, so th- why multiple tickets? Why do the multiple yeah, Why tickets? do they buy multiple tickets? How does that help? Is it because they're denying the chance to people who otherwise would have bought those tickets themselves? Pretty much. Like, well, like, Pretty much? they... In their view, the more shows they go to, the higher, ch- the more chances they'll have to run into her mom. Oh, okay. Multiple tickets for different shows. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Does her mom have, like, a, a favorite snack or something that you could bribe her with? Well, there's this, um, there's this one video on YouTube that pissed, like, everyone off in the, the Swifty fandom. Is that there were these people who were, t- who, like, made a video. They got, they got, okay, so... Um, the, the, the room that you meet Taylor in, like, backstage, is named something different every era that has something to do with, like, the album or whatever. What? So, really? The room? Yeah. That you meet her in? Yeah. Okay. So, does it, does, does it have, is it, like, always decorated the same in every venue or something? Or? Oh, no, it's, like, it's always decorated really extravagantly, like, so for her, for her, 
uh, first tour, the Fearless tour, and then also the Speak Now tour. It was called the Tea Party, you know, like what? Tea Party. There's a tea, Taylor. What? Swift. Yeah. That's so, so that's so secret Republican, you guys. Can we just stop? That's so secret Republican. She's dog whistling. Tea Party, the, the Taylor Swift Tea Party movement, Trevor. Come on. Yeah. So that worked well because not many people knew about it. You know, the internet wasn't as fruitful with this kind of information. So if you were having a genuinely good time, you know, Taylor's mom would roll up, be like, hey, you want to meet Taylor? And they'd be like, yeah, of course. And so you go backstage and it was like this big, like, kind of like tent thing. And she had like a bunch of food and like you could go like meet her and talk to her for like 10 minutes and it'd be like really great. Uh, in the red era, it became Club Red. So it was like kind of snazzier, you know, it was kind of bigger. And um, so people knew about it by then. And um, then for 1989, it was Loft 89 and it was decorated like a... I don't know, law. And then now <laughs> sure. for reputation, it's um, it's the rep room. And everyone thought it was going to be the snake pit. Oh, that would have been way better. I know, snake right? Pit. So what is it? It's, it's called the rep room. It's the room. rep room. So, right, but what's what's the theme? Oh, it's, it's snakes, pretty much. It's like a big, it's like, it's like a, like a hangout kind of place with like couches and food and stuff, but everything is like snake themed. And then, okay, um, it's just the name that's not snake. Pretty much, yeah. This feels like the this feels like the less sinister version of that story you hear about douchebag rock stars who have like yep handlers <laughs> come through the crowd looking for yeah. people to hook up with them. You know, we're like, hey, uh, you want to come back and uh, <laughs> hang out with Scott Stapp? Yeah, <laughs> except you just go and hang out with Taylor Swift and eat cookies. I'm willing to bet she might not have been able to call it uh, the snake pit. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the former or current, I don't know, Guns N' Roses guitarist Slash has that phrase trademarked. Oh, does that have something to do with Slash? Can you hear the, the sound of a, of a, of a thousand 13-year-old <laughs> girls not getting that reference, Trevor? Sorry. <laughs> I'm good. Okay, so so I, that makes a little bit more sense, but now you got to take us back to the rules. Okay, so the rule. So there's actually uh, a before show meet and greet and an after show meet and greet. And the before show meet and greet, the rule doesn't apply um, be, for some reason. So uh, the rule is that you can't meet Taylor more than once, which, again, makes total sense because there's so many fans. And it's only fair that you get your chance and then, you know, congrats, now you go. Um, is it based on the honor system, or will Taylor remember you and ask you to be thrown out? Oh, yeah. So if you go up to, if you know, if her mom comes up to you, or Taylor Nation comes up to you, and they say, have you met Taylor before? You either say yes or no. If you say, yeah, I have, then Taylor Nation and Mama Swift say, thank you for your honesty. Uh, enjoy the show. But if you say no, then she's like, all right, cool. Here's a piece of paper that has, like, times and whatever, and then follow this, and then you'll go backstage, and then you meet Taylor, and it'll be great. Um... But there's been people who have been lying and saying that they haven't met Taylor when they have. And Taylor is, like, like Taylor remembers, like, everyone. I don't know how she does it, but she does. Um, that makes perfect sense to me. That's, like, John Kennedy <laughs> had the same thing. John F. Kennedy, like, uh-huh. every person he ever met, he would remember, like, their first name and a detail about him. It's those, those people who are, like, professionals at making you love them are good yeah. at that yeah you know? um also because everyone uses tumblr and they spam their selfies at her so she kind of pretty much like she'll recognize people and they'll, like bring them backstage sometimes but anyways is, t- is taylor on tumblr looking at fan selfies yeah she uses tumblr all the time and everyone mass reblogs their posts whenever she comes online because someone made this like bot that like alert swifties whenever she's online <laughs> so so everyone uses that so whenever she does anything like like likes a post or anything it's like she just gets mountains of these like taylor here are my seats you know 
for my show. I'm coming to see you this time, you know, and it's, 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 yeah, it's chaotic. But um, to be honest, be honest with us here and now, uh-huh. Glenn, would you, yeah. if you had met Taylor once, right, under oath, will you, will you tell me that you would be honest with Taylor's mom and say, yes, I've met Taylor? Oh, yeah, definitely. I could not lie to Mama Swift's face. I don't think I'd be able to live with myself. But also, Taylor would, like, recognize you because there's been a couple people who have lied to mama swift gotten backstage and then taylor looks at them and they're like you're not supposed to be here wow wow lied like i'm gonna need you to leave and i don't know if i can handle being told off by taylor swift definitely not (laughs) yeah so taylor can overwrite the rule if she like really really wants to meet someone a second time or something has that happened wait wait wait. has that happened though have have has taylor has taylor said i want to meet that person again or yeah, she has. Like, because, you know, like, there's some fans that she kind of considers friends if they've been, you know, consistently running into each other since, like, you know, her debut era or something. Because, you know, she is a person and she likes, you know, to catch up with fans and stuff. Um, but anyways, that's what makes people so angry because um, people will meet Taylor, like, multiple times. Wow. And then, it, like, it'll be all chill. But then, like, someone who met her, like, in 2006, like, in a Wendy's, they're like, sorry, you can't meet Taylor, you know. 10 years later because you met her all those years ago but also sometimes taylor nation doesn't ask if you've met taylor before it's like it's really weird it's like not consistent at all and so there'll be people who've met her like multiple times like in the same era and people are like how'd that even happen like like what what how did you even do that so that's what (laughs) so is there what is the what does the fandom think about people who cheat who try to cheat the system and meet taylor twice Oh, they hate them. Like, there's been people who've, like, deactivated their accounts because of all of the the angry messages they get. and like. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine they would be pariahs. It's, it's insane. It's, like, there's been... <laughs> but there's some people who've never met Taylor before, and they've never been noticed before, and then they meet Taylor, but they still get, like, booed off Twitter because they're, like, a bad person or something. And so everyone's like, oh, you took that spot from someone who's a good person or something. It's, like... Well-deserved. Yeah, there's it's a, it's a lot. Or, like, there's this thing where it's, like... Oh man, I haven't even told you guys about the secret sessions because that—that's—that's that's also another aspect of the. <laughs> this is so. This feels like, this feels like a scary like secret New York club where you where you step <laughs> behind a veil and you have to wear a mask yeah. and like all these terrible messed up things are happening, <laughs> rituals yeah. and things. Um. But yeah. So before every album, Taylor has a secret session where she invites fans. She invites like. I want to say maybe 500 fans to her own home to listen to the album a month early um, and they get to hang out with her for seven hours and um, everyone who goes to a secret session gets like this superiority complex and then everyone hates them so if you're a sessioner you're automatically hated <laughs> by everyone <laughs> All right, I think I think for every podcast, an uh, important thing to do on our first episode is, is to set some goals. Oh, right. I say that as a result of this podcast, I want us all to get into a secret Taylor Swift session. <laughs> I agree. I oh, agree. Yeah. I think it's I think it's attainable. I think Taylor Nation, we know you're listening. Yep. Taylor Nation, come in clutch. Get us in there. <laughs> if you have State of Swift over to Taylor's house to to make a podcast of the of the whole event, <laughs> it will be a privilege for you. That's what I'm saying. It'd be an honor. But yeah, secret <laughs> sessions are good. I think honestly, my real goal is to is to like cross that threshold from person who casually enjoys uh, Taylor Swift's music to being a Swifty. 
That's my personal goal. Yeah. Like, I think it'd be amazing because every now and then Gwen will retweet somebody's, like, insane fan <laughs> tweet about Taylor Swift. And it's, like, it's almost concerning. Like, they'll just, like, <laughs> post a gif of her, like, smiling and looking adorable. And then they'll just write, I would die for her over and over again. <laughs> My goal is that I want to be able to see that tweet and then think, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. That's how that's, I feel about um, Taylor Swift, too. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Trevor, what about you? Is that a is that a good transition to start talking about her music? <laughs> well, I want I want to know if there was any current drama that that. Uh, oh, that... okay. So today. Right. So this is our first real segment on the show, which is another day, another drama. Come on, people! Oh. You're killing me. <laughs> Don't mess this up for me. God. I'm sorry. Go on. Uh, well, today, just you know, just in time for this, there's been a lot of drama about the show today because apparently Taylor Nation was actively avoiding people wearing costumes, oh, and they were only giving out rep room to the people who weren't dressed up. And so everyone on Twitter was like, "Guys, this is Taylor Nation trying to humble us. <laughs> like, this is Taylor Nation giving us a lesson." Do you think that 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 comes from Taylor herself? A decision like that or i feel like taylor herself probably wouldn't have anything to do with that because she wants to meet like as many of us as she can but you know obviously she'd probably want to meet the people who like love her more than others who don't i guess um but yeah that was today so what's a what's a typical costume that you might wear to a taylor swift concert Ooh. if you want to get noticed by taylor nation okay. Well, you know her Look What You Made Me Do video. She dresses up as, like, you know, 80 different versions of herself. Pretty much any of those that is your golden. Um, at my show, uh, have you seen the Delicate video? No. Well, she's wearing, like, a blue, like, fringe dress. I found, like, a dupe of it on eBay for, like, $15. So I wore that. I didn't get rep room, though, but it's cool. Um, but that was, like, fun. Last time, I, like, I, I wore this, like, dress. It wasn't a dress. It was, like, a, a light-up skirt with, like... Polaroids of Taylor Swift like sewn into it and then this shirt that had like a bunch of her lyrics on it and whatever and then like a headband that said 1989 on it and like all of her like rubber bracelets that's pretty much like what a lot of people do um but yeah some people go like all out and they like get like prosthetics or something like if they're dressing up as like the zombie Taylor from look what you made me do well you're or, you're like, like a pretty brilliant artist Gwen. oh thank you <laughs> why wouldn't you just show up with like a you know like a painting a framed painting that you did of her okay so well because she does stadium shows uh, <laughs> uh signs aren't really allowed very much so it's kind of like a if you bring a sign they made they, they, they sometimes they like like they i mean they'll take your sign and throw it away so it's pretty much like what's kind of the point uh but last time i did bring a sign it was like this big like kind of half cut poster board that said 1989 on it. There was really no point. I mean, she knows it's 1989. Her <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you weren't communicating anything important to her. No, I really wasn't. It just said 1989 on it. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, my she album. Might, she might have just completely forgotten. She might not have. You might have been really helpful that night. <laughs> oh, my impact. Uh. You might have gotten an entirely different set list if you didn't yeah. bring that poster. Gwen, I want to know. I want to know. I want the mm. honest answer. How much does it hurt that you haven't been picked yet? Um, I mean, I've cried about it. I won't. I won't lie. 
you know. Um, but that's but just like, like right after the show, or just when you're like in your room thinking about it later, or, or well, um, you know. like I don't know. Like the pretty much the only chance to get picked, like like or noticed or picked or whatever by her is if you're on Tumblr, which I kind of am, but I'm kind of not because it's hard to use and I have no followers and whatever. Um, but I'm pretty much only on Twitter. That's like my main jam. Um, and so on the delicate video release night, she all of a sudden decided to go start liking people who were indirectly tweeting her, like just tweeting the words, oh, Taylor Swift and delicate. So if you were like, wow, that Taylor Swift video delicate was really good. She just like it. And okay. so it was like, I was like, this is my chance. Like, this is my calling. This is my moment. And then she completely <laughs> skipped over me. She didn't see my oh, tweets. And, no. it, and it made me sad. And so I, I did cry. You know, but, like, everyone else was, like, half my timeline was, like, wow, Taylor, thank you so much for liking my tweet. And the other half was, like, I can't stop crying. This is too much for me. I'm locking off for the night. Wow. Um, so that, see, it's stuff like that. It's, like, whenever Taylor does anything for anyone, it's, like, it's, like, there's, like, all these polarizing views of, like. You can't win them all. <laughs> it's, it's just so much. I want to know. I have one more question for you, Glenn, and that's, I want to know how many Taylor Swift shows you've been to. I've been to three. <laughs> I've been to the 1989 tour in Santa Clara, and then I was at the her Poptopia f- performance in San Jose, um, which was like kind of like a little music festivaly thingy that she was performing at, and then um, and then I went to the Reputation Stadium tour in, also in Stan- Santa Clara. So those are my shows, and Reputation was the best one because let me tell you, I was front row B stage, and she sang directly to me. Oh wow! And you guys probably know that because I tweet about it like every day. Um, <laughs> what song was it? <laughs> it was during dress. It was during. Ugh. I was crying so much I thought I was gonna throw up or pass out, but I didn't. So. It was like, like how 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 long into it were you totally sure she was definitely making eye contact with you? Oh, um, well, she was kind of like there. It was like it was like a kind of you know like a barricade, and she was kind of singing to everyone. She was like going along the line singing to people, and I was like, oh, she's getting closer, but I'm not gonna get my hopes up because she could totally just kind of swerve, you know, because she kind of like swirls around the stage because it's like a. It's like a round stage. There's people on all sides. So I was like, she could, you know. But then she just leans down, like, looks directly in my eyes, sings to me for, like, four seconds, and then and then she sashays away. And that was oh, it. Wow. That was our interaction. That was our moment. And I'm, I felt I'm it. Trevor, did you feel it? <laughs> I felt it. Just, just in the recall. And I got, a, I got a video of it, and it's, it's basically just me screeching into the mic. And <laughs> it's a great video, though. So... <laughs> Great, perfect. So that that was my Taylor Swift moment, and that's probably as as like the closest I'll get, and the closest to being noticed I'll get. But I'm fine with that. Like that is great. No, Gwen, we are getting into the session. <laughs> no, the closest you'll get is when she when she comes on the show. Oh yeah. You've got to promise not to cry. I won't. I won't. Don't worry. All right. So let's ta- <laughs> let's talk about the album. Yeah, I want to call this. I want to call this segment our song. Oh my gosh, that's so great. <laughs> um, up next in the countdown is Taylor Swift, and have you heard this? Song, I have Tim heard McGraw. this song. Yeah. And what what were you thinking the fir- what did you think the first time you heard it or how did you, how was the first time It was awesome I, except for I didn't know if I should if I should take it as a compliment or if I should feel old. <laughs> I didn't know which one but the the more I hear, the more I hear it the more I, I I don't know if it's true or not but I start taking it as a compliment not that I feel that I'm old. So <laughs> I don't know if that's true but that's what I choose to think. Well, why don't we find out? Taylor is it a compliment or is it uh, cuz he's old? <laughs> It's definitely a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Tim McGraw, meet Taylor Swift. 
Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you, Taylor. How you doing? Guys, what year was this album? 2006. It was recorded in 2005. She wrote all the songs in her freshman year about her high school experiences and middle school experiences. Um, it is 53 minutes and 30 seconds long. The label is Big Machine. It was produced by Scott Borchetta and Nathan Chapman and Robert Ellis Oral. It's so nice that I didn't have to worry about looking any of that up. So good. I'm so happy to not have done <laughs> the, the music. Uh, this, I remember when, like, I first opened this up and looked it over, I immediately knew two songs on this record. I only knew one, and I actually didn't know it was a Taylor Swift song. Oh, wow. Okay. That was our song. Oh, really? You, you didn't you, know that was Taylor Swift? Nope. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was some kind of country pop song that I heard on the radio a couple times. <laughs> it was actually her first, um, Billboard Hot Country chart number one, and it, she's the youngest artist to ever get that number one with uh, a self-written song hell yeah way to go taylor get it taylor well when i was when i was in middle school the world was excited about another very young lady who was a country pop star and her name was leanne rhymes so are you Mm -hmm. telling me that taylor swift totally dunked on leanne rhymes and got that got that (laughs) honor before it sounds like it yes she did (laughs) how how old was taylor swift like when this album comes out. Okay, so she, it came out when she was like 16, which is like my age, and that's really wild. Because um, I can't imagine writing an album. Um, but yeah, so she she wrote all of the songs by herself and co-wrote some of them with um, her friend Rose. Wait, I don't remember her first name, but her last name is Rose, so we'll go with that. She wrote all of them, but then just kind of like tweaked them with like some other people. Yeah, producers came in and like, okay, let's fix this bridge up or let's do this thing. Here. Yeah. That, that makes sense. I mm-hmm. this this album uh, just to, on a, at a high level. I'm just gonna say this album is is almost exactly what I would have kind of imagined in my head as like <laughs> the debut Taylor Swift album. I would say so. Yeah. The thing that I didn't expect is I think it's pr- it's pretty solid. Yeah. Like, there's less filler on here than I was kind of expecting there to be. For sure. Yeah. It's definitely a pretty pretty solid first step forward. Yeah. Absolutely. There's the you know. The first first albums by pop stars, a lot of times, everything in between the sing- the singles is like interminable and really tossed off. Yeah. you know. And some of I like some of the non single tracks on here more than the singles. So. Yeah, me too. Me too. In fact, my favorite song on the album wasn't a single. Me too. Yeah. You know, I'm, this isn't really the an album that I would typically pick up. Mm-hmm. But can I tell you two things that made this album like immediately more enjoyable and amusing for me to like listen to and spend time with yeah absolutely Go of ahead. course the first was imagining like an alternate universe where <laughs> taylor's work was immediately embraced by like pitchfork and other indie music journalists yeah. <laughs> right, who yeah. saw her as like a 16 year old country wonderkind who was making refreshingly real pop music that appealed to even people who didn't typically like country music uh-huh. that totally could have happened i think casey musgraves is like surprisingly popular with that crowd right now mm-hmm. if you need a kind of parallel right yeah and the second uh which honestly helped even more was developing this headcanon of Taylor as this like weird awkward 16 year old who doesn't really have any friends and only really cares about country music those are both facts oh there are some songs on here that really support that read as a pretty blonde girl she has like a lot of potential to be like a popular kid but I much prefer to think of her as like some kind of antisocial outsider which is yeah something that comes up on the record and the fact that she's like the same age as Gwen is right now on this record <laughs> only makes it easier for me to think of her as like some 
weird girl that like goes to Gwen's school <laughs> and just has like happened to blow up on Bandcamp or something. And now we're here to talk about Gwen's friend Taylor. Yeah. All right. But yeah, actually, she had like no friends because they all thought they all like okay. So she grew up in Reading, Pennsylvania, and everyone there thought like they all like made fun of her for wanting to pursue music so badly. Um, so she didn't have many friends. And then she moved, she, like, begged her parents for, like, years to move to Nashville because she saw that so many artists, like, hit it big in Nashville. So she, like, that was, like, her dream. She was like, we gotta move to Nashville. So uh, finally her parents were like, okay, fine, we'll move to Nashville. So they did. Um, and she had all these um, demo CDs that she'd, she'd made with, like, a couple of her, of her songs on there. And she would, like, her mom would just, like, pull up to the record places. She'd hop out and she'd, like, go in and she'd be like, hey, I'm Taylor. I'm 12. Here's my demo CD. Thank you. Uh, and then she'd run out. And then um, I want to know if those demos. Can you hear those demos? Oh yeah, they're on. The, they're on the internet. They're um. They're all great. I have all of her unreleased songs. Like <laughs> interesting. I'd really. I'd really love to get a glimpse of like the pre-recording industry Taylor. Like that's yeah. You know people. People like love to like blow smoke up bright eyes ass for like recording when he was like 16 and stuff but nobody ever talks about how taylor swift was out here cutting demos at 12 yeah oh yeah for sure. like one of the songs on here on the album um the outside was written when she was 12 which is like wild um well the outside is is a song that i think really supports trevor's read of taylor swift and yeah. and and trevor i i also locked in with that read of taylor swift <laughs> taylor swift does not strike me as a very cool person. No. Like, as far as, like, social... So how, where she would kind of fall in the social pecking order of a high school environment. Yeah. Like, she seems like she's a little too overeager, a little too quiet, a little too, like, maybe driven in her own world and she would kind of come off as like the weird quiet girl yeah, like, that's, yeah. that's where I would that's where I would kind of see yep. if Taylor Swift was in my high school yeah very smart but very focused on her own thing yeah and sometimes that kind of comes at the expense of a social life yeah yeah just kind of being out of step with, with the shit that the rest of the high school cares about you know? yeah she wrote some of these songs like in her classes and stuff like so yeah a lot of, like pretty much this whole album is inspired by like high school and how crappy it was um i i feel like every taylor swift album that i've heard and now this this marks the the fourth yeah this is the fourth taylor swift album that i've heard yeah this is also my fourth i feel like i feel like every taylor swift album has a goal and an essential goal to at its core and the goal here to me is that i feel like she was really looking to find relatable experiences mm-hmm. like yeah. these feel like songs that are inviting you to come in and imagine yourself as, as the the lead character of them mm-hmm. you know like, I definitely agree with that but I also think a big goal of this record is also to introduce us to Taylor Swift yeah that's always something I keep in mind mm-hmm. when you're dealing with like a self-titled album like this is very much an album about the person that's making it and I think we get like different details about her in each song that kind of fleshes her out and makes her into a more three-dimensional figure. Mm-hmm. What about you, Gwen? What about you as a, as a as a super fan? Like when you hear like a teardrops on my guitar, are you thinking about your life and how it relates to it? Or are you thinking about Taylor and what's going on with Taylor at this time? Like how do you experience it? I just, I mean, like I haven't done very much. Like I I don't really leave the house that much, so like <laughs> a lot of these I can't really relate to, but. Um, yeah, I kind of picture Taylor more. I mean, yeah, but, like, I know that there's, like, so many, like, of my friends that are like, oh, this song, you know, describes me. Um, Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I think 
the easiest Taylor for me to relate to is like you know Taylor Swift. A lot of people talk about how like calculated her self image is and how uh-huh. like totally in control of everything is. Yeah. But I really love to see her just kind of totally break down and like <laughs> just go full like messy Taylor. Yeah. Which happens like a couple times throughout this album, and I'll be pointing it out mm-hmm. because that's always my favorite Taylor that I find it easiest to relate to. Her and I emote in like very similar ways. I think. Yeah, she said that the like the like she always has been like tried like like really like yeah in control of how the the people see her because um. And she's still pretty, like, in the reason in the 1989 era where she was, like, boasting about having so many friends, you know, like, squad goals and stuff that everyone started making fun of her for. Um, but, yeah, she's always wanted to, like, try to come off as, like, really put together with, like, all these friends and stuff. Because, like, she said, like, in high school she had, like, literally no friends. Um, um, which is some, which is what some of the, also the, some of the songs on Fearless is about. Um, but, yeah, so that's, she said that that's kind of why she's so, like, tries to kind of keep her like like she wants people to totally see her as like cool and put together but also like relatable i guess yeah i the the way that i that i totally understand like who taylor swift is to me in my life like i see her as an artist in two ways like Mm -hmm. she's a she's a very accomplished pop musician and songwriter and then i see her as like this kind of genius brand expert yeah her her other major work is kind of the Taylor Swift icon. Yeah, she's know. an incredible businesswoman. Dylan, did you also find one of the most like rewarding experiences uh, when it came to this album being seeing someone who like today we recognize as such a like brand, like going back to their roots and seeing them as like a more innocent sixteen-year-old like up-and-coming country singer? For sure, this whole this whole album plays like it plays like the the opening like 10 minute scene at the beginning of the Taylor Swift movie you know yeah. where it's like it's it's like summer nights in the heartland of America mm-hmm. and like this this little girl who nobody thought it was going to become anything and and you know the inauspicious beginnings like definitely mm-hmm. definitely yeah it's like her whole career almost like plays like a movie it's so wild <laughs> you kind of alluded to this Trevor that like this isn't a record you would normally pick up and put on. I, I, I assume you're not necessarily a big like radio country or country pop guy in general. No, I don't listen to a lot of country music, but I'm honestly not opposed to it at all. I know it's a polarizing genre, but I, I actually always enjoy when artists I do like kind of go for a country or a vibe. Like I'm thinking like maybe like Beck or Ween can kind of go in that direction sometimes. Like on Beck's Sea Change album, Definitely. there's a lot of like classic country influences on there. Like a lot of starry-eyed steel guitar and I'm actually a big fan of that kind of sound. I'm also uh, surprisingly into Ryan Adams who I know I like once him. covered a Taylor Swift album in its entirety. Yeah. I don't like every Ryan Adams album but I like I like some Ryan Adams yeah. albums. Uh, I, I, I definitely like Radio Country is if, if I put on a country station I'm probably going to hear more songs that I dislike than that I like. Yeah. Uh, but but I but I definitely have a soft spot for the kind of Faith Evans brand of of pop crossover country Mm -hmm. like there's something about that stuff that i really like what about you gwen outside of taylor is there a lot of country music that you like would just put on um no not really (laughs) taylor's pretty much the only country artist i listen to taylor kind of feels like the outlier in your tastes like your two other favorite bands are like gorillas and my chemical romance taylor is the feels like the odd man out there yeah it's kind of funny like um yeah i've totally developed a taste for more like i don't know rock kind of stuff um and i'm you know yeah taylor's like the only country artist i listen to she's not the only pop artist i listen to but like you know i don't listen to like as much pop as i listen to taylor swift i guess 
Um, I feel that. <laughs> but yeah, when when Ryan Adams covered 1989, uh, Taylor like was liking everyone's posts that were talking like about how much they loved it. So for like months, like all the Swifties would just make these like super long posts about like how much they loved the album <laughs> so much just to get a, a notice. But then like when she stopped doing that, everyone would just like log on and be like, "Guys, that cover album sucked so much, didn't it? Yeah, it really did." Um, <laughs> it feels it feels like now we've we've officially like set the table and we can we can dive into this record, right? Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about Taylor Swift's self-titled debut. He said the way my blue eyes shine. Those Georgia stars to shame that night. I said that's a lie. Okay, so we start off with Tim McGraw, and this was the first. Um, well, this was one of the first songs she wrote for the album. It was the first single, so it was her debut single, and she wrote it in her math class. And um, it, it it was written about her. Uh, she wrote it when she was a freshman, and she wrote it about her senior boyfriend. Uh, who was going to go away to college, and so they'd have to break up. Do we know that guy's name? Do we know that poor um, that poor dude's name? We don't actually. Names? We know some of the names on the album. <laughs> this is one of the only albums that she like names names on, which she doesn't really do anymore. Okay. Mm-hmm. I noticed that. Yeah. yeah. I feel. I gotta say, I feel a little bit bad for Taylor Swift's pre-fame boyfriends. Like they kind of they never asked for this shit. You know? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about that later. There's some that it have feels gone. like they've been roped into like a very a very volatile canon, which is people who have been romantically involved with Taylor Swift, yeah. and there are just like you know millions of people who are very invested in, in that canon and these are just like just poor Pennsylvania yokels who went to high school with this girl like they didn't ask for this like I don't know just... yeah where are Drew and Corey now yeah. <laughs> so I can respect like opening a country album with like a slow burn of a track like this one and I enjoy how it slowly unfurls but I think this is probably my least favorite single on the album you know I actually feel the same way like I usually skip it like not to be shady I don't know it's like, it's great because I mean it's it's very. I feel like it's more symbolic at this point than a good song. It's more like wow, there's the first step in Taylor's you know career. So I think that makes it really interesting. I disagree with you guys. This is like my third favorite single on on this record, and it's really grown for me. I think it's amazingly well written. It has a very sophisticated build to it. I think it's really well produced. Uh, I think that. Her performance here is one of the more mature ones that he sh- that she turns in on the record. I kind of feel like uh, across this record, like Taylor is not as kind of she's not mastered her delivery the way that I kind of know her to today. Like some of these performances are a little bit like I'm figuring out what I do, but I feel like that this one's really good. It starts in this very like very muted, held back, vulnerable place, and then by the end of it, she's not like. It's not like she's b- being like a full diva and, and belting out that last chorus, but she, but she is. She's like leaning into it and, and putting some pressure on it, and like, I don't know. There, there's. I also like how specific the references are here. Like, the, there's this idea in comedy that like if you want to make a joke universal, you should make it specific. So like, there's something very relatable about saying something like in in, in terms of a joke, it would be like instead of just saying. Uh, Uh, and you get really mad because your friend made fun of you or something, you'd say, like, and you get really mad because your friend Dave made fun of your stupid-looking pants. And the fact that you say that, like, 
it's it's specific to you, but it's more universal because it's like, oh, I've been in I've been in a situation kind of like that, and that that's this is a version. This is like a moment on the record where I think name checking Tim McGraw and and, and uh, you know relating it to this relationship it gives me more of an ability to kind of like get into the song and, and understand what she's going through in it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Has Tim McGraw ever covered this song? Because lyrically that would work pretty well. Oh yeah. Cause when I hear Tim McGraw, I'm thinking about Tim McGraw. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. The one-to-one. I hope when you think about me, when you think about Tim McGraw, you'll think of me. Yeah, dude, you are Tim McGraw. Of course I do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Be a pretty good cover. Um, Tim McGraw and Taylor actually collabed in the Red Era for Highway Don't Care. It's like a pretty decent song and Taylor's on it. So that's cool. <laughs> Ironically, now when I hear Tim McGraw, I will think of Taylor Swift. What about what about this video? Did you guys did you guys go back and look at this video? I did, yeah. Because um, she's holding this like camera yeah or is it it's what, like really old what is that thing she's holding when she's laying on the bed of the lake i wasn't totally sure i don't know what it's called but it looked like some kind of steampunk contraption <laughs> <laughs> that's what she uses to call her airship is that what happens as soon as this video ends i felt like this video is like so cmt like it's very country music television like you got taylor in this like lacy white dress she's yeah. laying next to this lake and like there's random cutaways to her love interest driving his chevy pickup truck it's very <laughs> it's very country music television mm-hmm. i thought this has some this is uh the first example of a song with some good messy taylor lyrics do you want to hear them yeah, yeah. my favorite ones on this one were uh September saw a month of tears and thanking God that you weren't here to see me like that. I like that lyric. <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's a great lyric. So it good. didn't even jump out to me when I was uh, listening to it, but that's a good lyric. Yeah, she's such a good writer. Uh, Tim McGraw, yeah, not, it's like, it's not like one of my very favorites on the record, but it, but it, it opened up for me and I really think it's a good way to kick things off. Yeah. Something else that bugs me a little bit here that is a recurring thing is uh, these male backing vocals that show up. I never feel like these are necessary. Oh, yeah, that's her band. She, she uses those for she's been, she's been using those she doesn't really use them in now but she, yeah she had this band or she still she still has this band but she doesn't have like all the band anymore because either there's like a fiddle player she doesn't really have fiddle anymore um did they have like an unofficial like name like taylor swift and the i think it was just like uh i think there was one but i think it's just the band uh, right now but doesn't it feel a little bit like she has like these sort of middle-aged backup singers who are like trying to sing about her lyrics about being 16 it doesn't it doesn't feel right it just doesn't i don't like it yeah. yeah i've never liked those i think that um yeah i think that some of these songs are a little overproduced i could see that i prefer it when she when she does overdubs and does her own harmonies that's that's way better i i, I think so too that's why that's why don't blame me on reputation such a banger imagine the alternate version of this album that like taylor swift the indie kid made like in her basement with like like a four track recorder and it's just super lo-fi folk that'd be pretty cool well there's some there's some demos of a lot of these songs that you can find that are like you know some of them are just piano ballads or there's like less instruments like um there's one for um teardrops on my guitar i think um yeah where she doesn't say drew where she only says uh you look like instead of drew because it like rhymes i guess but anyways we'll 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 talk about teardrops on my guitar in a second first (laughs) let's let's talk about picture to burn I 
didn't get my perfect fantasy. Realize you love yourself more than you could ever love me. Oh, picture to burn. I, this one's a jam. I, I think song. this is a fucking jam. I this love this song. This is such a fun song. <laughs> this one uh, stood out to me on the first couple listens, but uh, gradually it kind of faded away to the bottom of the pack, kind of. Yeah, I've always really loved this one. Dylan, what did um what version of this were you listening to? Were you listening to the original one or the censored version? Because uh, <laughs> this blew my mind when I first saw I it. Had like, the, I had the original version on my old iPod, but then when I but it's not like on Spotify or Apple Music, so I don't listen to the original one anymore. But yeah, that was that was like a thing. Like I don't know what you guys are talking about. The original lyrics of this song, they go, "So go and tell your friends that I'm obsessed and crazy. That's fine. I'll tell mine that you're gay." Whoa. Whoa! Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, she said, uh, but she said that she meant that as in, like, she'll tell her friends that you're gay, so no girls will like actively go out and try to date you or flirt with you. But still, crazy. She's apologized crazy. for that. She she was like, "Oof, sorry." Um, but now she's super like, I don't know. She's really supportive. So, but yeah, that was like a ooh. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I was looking at the lyrics for these songs, and I saw that. And I was like, I don't remember hearing that at all. Yeah. And then I went back, and yeah, sure enough, <laughs> the one on uh, Apple Music is the deluxe version, which has the censored one. Yeah, she changed that pretty quick. Good. I'm glad she did. But you know, th- this does feel like the the kind of clearest glimpse of a very of a future Taylor Swift we got on this record. A little bit. The sort of angry yeah. slash and burn Taylor Swift. Yeah. You know? And I love that Taylor Swift. I love Jilted Taylor. I love all of her songs. I mean, like, all of her songs are obviously emotionally charged, but I love the ones where she just gets, like, either, like, really, really angry or, like, really, really sad or really, really happy because, like, those are, like, the most exciting. I almost wish it was angrier, though, because I almost see it as, like, a less vicious version of Before He Cheats by Carrie Underwood, which is another song about an ex with a thing for his truck. But in that song, Carrie destroys the ex's truck, and I kind of wish Taylor went that far here too. She just insults the truck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she just thinks it's stupid. But I, but I love her. I love her delivery on the hook. I especially like the red neck heart break. He's really bad at lying. Yeah, she's bad at lying. This is the first time in the album I think we hear her break out her country accent, right? Oh yeah, she faked a country accent for like a really long time. Yeah, as someone who didn't have a lot of experience with early Taylor Swift, I'd never heard that before, and I was quite taken back. The first thing that I the first thing I thought of was Drake's fake Jamaican accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what what the what the scene is in rural Pennsylvania. Like I don't know what that like is she a weirdo at her high school for being in the country? Is that is it more East Coast where she's from? I don't know. Well, well she at her high school Hendersonville High School, uh the one that she like really liked. Um uh, that was, um, yeah, I mean, like, that was in Nashville, so everyone kind of had country accent. So I think that she tried to lay on the country accent, like, to kind of fit in more. Um, and then she kind of kept using the country accent until, like, for, like, until, like, the Speak Now era. And then she just completely dropped it, like, in the Red era, which is gone. <laughs> really- I just, I just like that we get some of this Taylor on this record. Yeah. Like, I always kind of imagined that her first record would be a lot of like heartbreak songs and love songs mm-hmm. and I didn't I didn't expect that we'd get uh the the kind of the the angry Taylor on this record and, I, and it was it was fun to see her here. Yeah, I appreciate the foreshadowing. But yeah, in this music video, she has these like these like thigh-high boots. <laughs> this is also the first time we get to see Taylor Swift act, right? <laughs> yeah. This is like their first glimpse of a little skit in a Taylor Swift music video where she has to try to act. What? what? He's got a girl with him. No. Who? She's driving the truck. He let her drive the truck? He never let me drive the truck. That is so messed up. Yeah, she like, 
she her like the big binoculars at first she was like really against them because she thought that they would look really cheesy but then her friend abigail like the one who's sitting next to her convinced her like no she was like no they'll, they'll look really good and Tyler's like fine um it reminded me of that skit from that eminem album where he's parked outside of a club spying <laughs> on his ex with her new boyfriend it is like that i will say that i think taylor swift is a is a pretty wooden actress yeah, i don't think she's, she's a very good actress she's not acting like three times like she was on a couple like she was on like a csi like miami episode and she played this emo girl oh my god we gotta watch that episode we gotta watch that episode yeah we gotta watch that <laughs> yeah she she played an emo chick um who got like stabbed in a like parking garage <laughs> we gotta watch that episode yeah. you guys and then she um and then she was in in the speak now era she was in valentine's day with uh taylor lautner which is where she met him and then they started dating um, oh he's a he's a werewolf right taylor lautner <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah so she's not the greatest actor I, I, and pretty much everyone is just kind of like yeah she's good at singing you know and then the most recent like acting she's done uh, it was like voice acting in the Lorax. She played the like the girlfriend kind oh, of girl right. with like red hair. Oh, I forgot right. that was yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, that was her. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much that's the most recent thing she's done, like acting wise. Is Picture to Burn about a specific breakup in her life? Yeah, it was. That's why it's really specific about the truck and stuff. But um, we don't know who exactly it is. When is the first time we get a Taylor Swift song that is about like a celebrity breakup? Oh, that's probably um. Forever and Always about Joe Jonas on Fearless because he broke up with her on a 43-second phone call. Classy. <laughs> so she got really mad and, and wrote Forever and Always about that. Cool. I'm looking forward to talking about the breakups, of course. And Joe Jonas. But yeah, so Picture to Burn is a banger, and I love it a whole lot. I think it's a jam, man. She really went off it's on this one. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. I like this next one more. This is probably my favorite single on the album, Teardrops on My Guitar. listen to it 80,000 times but I mean I don't know if that's really saying much because I listen to every Taylor song 80,000 times this is the one that's like consistently been getting stuck in my head the most especially that wishing on a wishing star line that just sticks around yeah that's a good one I can't go with you on that one Trevor this is probably my least favorite single on the record oh man there's, it's, I think what holds it back for me is is I think it's got like good like middle school slow dance potential, but the hook, <laughs> the hook is not really my thing. It feels a little too. I, I like the hook. I think she really belts it out and leans into it. It's one of my favorites on the record. I like it. I, I think the problem with the hook for me is that the pre-chorus is actually the the melodic crescendo. The the like all I think about at night. Yeah. That's like the crescendo. That part's great. But then the chorus like just kind of slowly kind of steps down from that and it, and it just feels a little a little bit of a slump down from that to me. I, I, I understand that. I, I disagree. I, at this point, like I feel like Heartbreak Taylor is like my least favorite Taylor variant in the 2006 version of Taylor. Like the 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 Taylor Swift Torch songs at this at this point are not the most interesting ones to me. I like them because they give us a lot of good messy Taylor lyrics. Like, for example, there is a couple in this one. Mm-hmm. I'll bet she's beautiful, that girl he talks about, and she's got everything that I have to live without. Very good. Yeah, I like that line. And uh, even better is, so I drive home alone as I turn off the light. 
I'll put his picture down and maybe get some sleep tonight. <laughs> that's yeah. a, that's definitely some good messy Taylor. This also gives us our first what I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and patent is a is a metaphor. That's a <laughs> sure. Taylor Swift has this interesting way of of when she writes analogies where they're like. They're oddly abstract and, like, I don't know, almost like uh, they're almost tactile. So on this one, he's the song in the car I keep singing. Like, there's something that's that's almost psychedelic about her approach to metaphor. And she does it a few times on this record where, like, where she she kind of equates people with objects on, in this interesting way that I, that I think is interesting. I mean, you could say that's what our song is largely about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Gwen, did you say that originally in the demo, she sings you instead of Drew? Yeah. I like that so much better. I don't give a fuck about this Drew guy. <laughs> Who is Drew? Okay, so in 2017, Drew got arrested for child abuse. Um, oh my gosh! Really? <laughs> yeah, he did. So that's oh um, that's all we know about Drew, really. It, um, but also, apparently, after Taylor, like you know, released a song and it was a single and stuff. Apparently, Drew like rolled up in her driveway one day and was just like, "Hey, so I'm on your album or whatever." It was. <laughs> she really dodged a bullet with this guy. Yeah, jeez, um, you sound like a scumbag. This is why you can't <laughs> name names in your in your songs, right? Yeah. yeah. So does does she like not? Does she refuse to play this one live anymore? Has it been like completely excised from the set? No, she still plays it. Um, sometimes like as a surprise song because each uh, show she does like one song that's not on this you know set list as like a surprise. Does she sing Drew or you when she plays it? No, she sings Drew. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I, it's that's you know crazy. it's the lyrics I guess. But okay, this live performance at the Fearless tour is so funny to me. Um, um, because like the fearless tour it, it's it's pretty much it's like part of it is is pretty a kind of a product of its time where it's kind of aged like it just it screams early 2000s to me when you like watch the tour movie of it oh we gotta watch the tour movie of fearless when we <laughs> <laughs> it's called journey to fearless right. it's great anyways um so for this performance she she has this like she has like desks like from a classroom like on the stage and she does this like skit thing um, there's Drew sitting there, you know, and then there's this, and then she goes up and she sits down and she like tells the audience about how much, how many of a crush she had on this guy and how, how he would always talk about his, his girlfriend. And then during the performance, she's like, you know, she's like kind of like, you know, floating around the stage and stuff. And then there's Drew like slow dancing with this girl who looks like Taylor. It's so funny. Weird. Is it, it's, it's an actor though. It's not the real no, Drew. No, it's not the real Drew. No. That's a good transition to something I kind of want to talk about, I think. Dylan, you called this song, like, Heartbreak Taylor Swift, but this fits a little better in, into, like, a genre of her songs that I'm actually quite fond of. It's, like, Taylor versus other girls. Yeah, like, oh, right. like better yeah, than yeah, revenge. Yeah, yeah. We see that happen a lot, and the, the biggest example is probably one that we'll be talking about on the next episode. Mm-hmm. I just always like when she, like, has an enemy to deal with. That's mm-hmm. true. That's a good point. I want to really quickly talk about this music video, specifically the recurring shots of the video where she's laying in that bed. <laughs> uh, yeah, very dramatically spooning her acoustic guitar. Okay, yeah. so she's lying on, she's lying on top of what... I, I would describe it as what looks like a guest bed because it's mm-hmm. like perfectly made and it has all these decorative pillows on it, but it yeah. looks like a little bit like a thing you wouldn't actually want to sleep on at all. And then she, her face, she has her face is bedazzled with like silver rhinestones. Yeah, yeah, with like jewels, and she like cries one single beautiful tear. And she's she's got like silver eyeshadow, and she's got this like seafoam evening gown with like one strap off of her shoulder, and it, she looks a little bit like a mermaid, and she's just like awkwardly cradling her acoustic guitar next to her, but but she's not playing it. It's the weirdest. It's such a weird pose. It's so weird. But that's not all because 
the like photo shoot for this video was used as her as her holiday collection cover. So uh, the cover of her holiday collection is straight up just like a screenshot from the teardrops of my guitar video <laughs> and it's so weird of and, her like, in the bed uh, yeah of her like laying in the bed like so like the close-up of her with like the bedazzled and it's like there's like the neck of the guitar and it's, like, <laughs> i don't know who she thought she was trying to fool like we know that's very weird <laughs> let's talk about this next track though a place in this world i don't know what i want so don't ask me because i'm still trying to figure it out don't know what's down this road just walking, trying to see through the rain coming down. I think this is my favorite. This might be my favorite non-single track. Yeah. I really like this one. Really? Yeah. Musically, this one's kind of a shrug for me, but I'm glad that it's on the album because I think it makes Taylor a more three-dimensional character. Like, not all of her songs are about relationships and boys. Yeah. She also has more introspective material reflecting on what it's like to be growing into a young woman and like all the insecurities she has about that. Yeah. I, I think that the song's about, it's about my daughter. It's about Ramona trying to find a, trying to find a place in this world, you guys. Sweet. <laughs> Very cute. I think that the, I think that the hook's really nice. I really like when her voice goes up into her, like, head register. It's very pretty. Uh, and I like the bridge. I'm ready to fly. <laughs> very good. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, I almost wish that the instrumentation here was, like, a little bit more country because it kind of almost sounds like a Goo Goo Dolls song <laughs> to me, the way that, that the guitars are kind of hammering away, you know? But, uh. Yeah, she has, a, a lot of the songs on this album are, are leading more towards pop which i think is kind of interesting and because you know later she'd become full pop but yeah definitely she didn't think she would at this time i don't know lyrically this one's a little bit middle middle of the road but i really like i really like the hook i like this hook a lot i think it's very pretty yeah that's a great song you want to talk about cold as you though because this is this is like my favorite heartbreak taylor song i think cold as you is a banger Cool. I'm. This is probably my like third favorite song on the record. I like it a lot, and I kind of see it as like the darker side of Teardrops on my guitar, and that it's like a slow burn with a big sweeping chorus. But whereas Teardrops is about like pining for someone, mm-hmm. Cold as You is about being absolutely done with them. Yeah, I love the. I just heard delivery. Oh, what a shame! Yeah, yeah. so good. It's mm-hmm. very expressive. I like the song less after it explodes. I like it the like. This is a move that, arrangement-wise, they kind of go back to over and over again on this record, and it, by the end of it, it gets a little bit old, but, like, mm-hmm. this is the first and, I think, the best version of it, where Taylor kind of starts with just a, one instrument accompanying her. I think it's the piano here, and, like, she's singing in this very intimate way, this really, this really like, right-there-in-your-ears way, and then, and then like, the bass on the drum kicks in, and then it starts to kind of explode. But I, I like the I like the kind of more stripped down parts of the song the best I think uh, like I like the more explosive parts where she's like yeah I like when she's really belting the chorus those are that's my jam the absolute best is when she switches up the lyrics in the final chorus and goes every smile you fake is so condescending counting all the scars made yeah the the teeth the teeth come out there at the end it's very cool and her country accent goes like full sandy cheeks <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of good messy Taylor here too like the most uh, one of the most absurd lyrics on the album 
I know you wouldn't have told nobody if I died for you. Yeah, it's so dramatic. And I also really like, I start a fight because I need to feel something, which feels like a very toxic line to be coming from a 16-year-old. Oh, I think that there's some, I think there's some really unhealthy relationship dynamics all over this record. And that's, yeah, that, but I, I think it's also, I, I kind of like that it's in there. Definitely, definitely the first it's, one. It's really interesting and very mm-hmm. good. I like it a lot. Yeah, I like that she wasn't like, you know, like she, she didn't sort of paint herself as like this perfect like angel. That's true. That's true. Taylor Taylor is not yeah. always the victim in mm-hmm. these songs. I don't think. Yeah. I think sometimes I think sometimes Taylor is stepping in it. A yeah. Bit here, uh, is this a Corey or a Drew song? Do um, know, I actually Glenn? don't know. She hasn't. She she like she um she really doesn't like naming whose songs are about except for like you know the ones that say so. I know she. I know she didn't actually date Corey. Yeah. And it sounds like from it sounds like from Teardrops on My Guitar, she never got with Drew either. He seems like he was already taken. Yeah, I think she only had like two boyfriends, in like. Because she writes, like, you know, she's written multiple songs about, like, the same person and stuff. And I know I, I did read that a lot of these are not only based on her own experiences, but, like, based on experiences, like, watching, like, kids she went to high school with and stuff like that and observing relationships. Yeah, so she'd write from other people's perspectives. Well, you know, sometimes you got to write about other people's boyfriends because sometimes uh, nobody ever lets you in. Yeah. Like on this next song, The Outside. <laughs> My favorite track on the record. If that probably shouldn't be surprising, considering what I was talking about earlier. This seems like it would be it would be key, Trevor, to your read of Taylor Swift as being kind of a kind of a, a loner, not not the cool kid, right? Mm. Absolutely. I first like locked into this when I was looking at the lyrics on Genius, and I think I saw in the sidebar that this song is about like Taylor Swift being like a weirdo twelve year old with no friends yeah. who like spends her weekends like singing country songs at karaoke bars instead of hanging out with other kids. Yeah, and she wrote this when she was 12 years old, and it's it's one of the oldest tracks like written for the album, like the earliest, one of the earliest tracks. Um, and, and it's also just like a really good pop song. Yeah. Like it feels, there's something very 90s and almost like Britpop about it. I just really like the production and the tune and the melody. Everything here really hits me well. I love that chorus. I just love how, how unabashed like emo pity party that chorus is, you know? <laughs> how could I ever try to be better nobody ever lets me in love it if you want to talk about like emo like it gets the second verse of this one almost gets kind of menacing I wanted to read it in its entirety you saw me there but never knew I would give it all up to be a part of this a part of you and now it's all too late so you see you could have helped if you had wanted to but no one notices until it's too late to do anything yeah that's a that's one of her like I felt like that before I felt like that when I was when I was 12 when I was 13 yeah I, I definitely yeah. would have written those kinds of thoughts down in the notebook it's cool that it's here I don't I don't really get the way the chorus ends though because she says that I've been a lot of lonely places but I've never been on the outside isn't the song about being on the outside well yeah because it's like well she was I think it's it's She's kind of saying, like, man, I've been a lot of lonely places, but this sucks. Like, this is the worst. Like, I've never been on the outside. Okay. That's how I read it, too. Got it. She's been on, like, kind of the outside, but never, like, outside. 
I don't know. I don't know if I locked into the the song musically quite as much as you, Trevor, or you. I don't know, Gwen. You seem to be pretty pretty on board too. Yeah, I like it. I, it, it <laughs> to me, it felt a little bit more middle of the road musically, maybe. But I really got into everything that was happening lyrically, and knowing that she wrote it when she was that young definitely enhances my appreciation of it too. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys think about this next one, tied together with a smile? Uh, I think that uh, that this one starts off in that same mode as Cold as You with like this vulnerable, quiet Taylor and the single instrument accompaniment. Uh, but I, I don't like this melody as much as that song. Um, yeah, this is this is one of my least favorite songs on the record musically, but I do kind of like what's going on here because I saw a little bit of trivia about this one too. Apparently, this is a song about uh, a girl she knew who had bulimia. Yeah, she wrote it for her friend who was suffering with an eating disorder because she was trying to like help her. Mm-hmm. I prefer to think that they weren't friends and that Taylor simply like observed this girl from afar <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> that fits better with my headcanon of her as some like weird loser with no friends who only cares about country music. Like, no one knows who she is, but she just writes songs about everyone at the school. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, Brittany, I, I wrote you this and she just gives her this flash drive <laughs> and then like, she's like, God, that girl Taylor is the weirdest <laughs> kid. Like, yeah. She- <laughs> But if you ask me, I think this is almost like more like Taylor giving herself a pep talk in the mirror because like I bet like at this stage of her life, Taylor wishes that this is the kind of stuff that someone would have written or would say to her. Like, yeah, I bet she viewed herself as someone who worked really hard all the time, frequently at the expense of her personal life. And this song definitely feels like it was written by someone who knows what it's like to never catch a break. Yeah. But doesn't it also kind of feel like this might be the first time where, where Taylor is like singing one to the Swifties in a way, like singing to her audience in a way? Yeah. Every, yeah. Everyone really loves this song. So they really like it. It feels very comforting. To- yeah. I think everyone can relate to the feelings mm-hmm. that she's talking about here at some point in their life. It's, it's very pleasant. I think, but it, but this is about as fillery as the record gets for me. I like I could, yeah. I could see being a, being a teenager or being like a Swifty and really locking into the mm-hmm. into the message here and like yeah. getting it on that level. But but yeah, I, I feel like that this is this is more like what I was imagining most of the songs between the big hits would be like on this record. Like this is about as kind of. Yeah, I feel that. I think other than the bonus tracks, I think that the most fillery songs is probably like a place in this world, maybe. But I still love it. I don't know. I I do. I do get what you mean, though. The really fillery ones are still coming up for me. Like, I don't know if I if I didn't have to, I don't know if I'd make any cuts yet. But there are a couple songs coming up that I'd cut. And honestly, I like some of the bonus tracks more than some of the tracks I'd cut. You better not cut this next one because I think "Stay Beautiful" is kind of great. It's my favorite. It's my favorite on the whole album. I love this song. This one gets to stay. It's pretty sweet. And I like Corey better than Drew. Yeah, me I think too. like Drew felt like he was a little up his own ass where Corey seems like he's a little more down to earth and frankly probably out of like Taylor's league at this point almost. He has eyes like a, a jungle. He, when he smiles, it's like the radio. Great opening lyric. That's so... A boy smiling mm-hmm. and it being like the radio, that's so metaphor. That's like as metaphor as it gets, you know? Like, <laughs> what an interesting comparison. You know, jungles are green, so I can see that. But mm-hmm. but a, 
but a smile being like the radio that's very evocative it's almost psychedelic in a way right like Mm -hmm. you know teenage hormones are basically a a psychoactive drug so she's probably tripping pretty hard at this point you know i imagine taylor also just smokes like a ton of weed whenever she's (laughs) writing and recording i doubt it man she definitely like once she had i i see her as a person who, who smoked weed for the first time with like a cool famous friend sure yeah she didn't start like like really drinking and anything until like this era. this is the like the reputation era is the first era that she's ever talked about drinking yeah i saw that i saw that graph <laughs> i like the i like these verses actually more than the hook of the song i think the hook's good too uh, but the verses, I think, I really like the pattern that she locks into on these verses. And then on the hook, I just want to say that that guitar move in the chorus is like that is straight out of "Here Comes the Sun," but like in a very countrified way that I that I can t- I can totally vibe with. Anyway, tell me about Corey. Yeah, so Corey uh, apparently got relentlessly bullied for this song. Oh, <laughs> um, by like people at like school because yeah, they all made fun of him for having eyes like the jungle and a smile like the radio. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, like, oh, poor Corey. But um, yeah, I love this song. Like, I think it's, I think it's one of the most, like, I don't know, twangy songs on the album. Yeah, it's one of the lightest and most fun. I think it feels very twangy to me. It, it does have a lot of those, those touches of her early arrangements, though. Like, one of the things you can always kind of count on for an early Taylor Swift song, at least on this record, is that the very last chorus is going to start with very limited instrumentation for the first half of it, and then it's all going to kick in, you know? Like, that move she just goes back to over and over and over again. Like She's also a very big fan of banjos at this stage of her career. I like like the banjo playing on this record. I read something she said about uh, putting banjo in our song, and she's like, how could you ever go wrong with a banjo? (laughs) And she also... um... Like she, another sort of Swiftian like thing that she likes to do is she likes to take the first line of the song and then like repeat it at the end, but like change it up slightly. Oh, I have noticed that. Yeah, yeah. she does that a totally. lot. Yeah, love story immediately comes to mind. Yeah, and also uh, teardrops on my guitar. Yeah, and it works well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty quality. I like this one a lot, actually. Should we keep going and talk about should have said no? Yes. this at my third grade talent show with my friends. That's amazing! <laughs> that makes me feel so third old. Third grade talent show. Oh, we did terribly, but it was so fun. This one's a dud for me, though. I would definitely cut this song. I don't like what? it. What? Oh my gosh, I love this one! Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. know. I like this one. I like I like the vocal harmonies on those verses. I like how they come in and out. Uh, and this is Taylor overdubbing herself, which I think is very mm-hmm. cool. Um, I kind of like that little wanky guitar solo that happens <laughs> after that second chorus. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. There's something about that I like that. And then I, the best part for me is that bridge. The I can't resist before you go. Tell me this, was it worth it? I don't know. Maybe it's because it didn't have any like really good messy Taylor lyrics for me to grab onto. And I feel like this song more than any of the other ones on the album should. I will say that I think there's like maybe one too many elements on the hook. Like I, I do find the hook on this one to be a little like almost headachey, but 
But I like the verses and I like the, the harmonies and, and I like the bridge quite a bit. I'd like to hear like a red era Taylor tackle a hook like this because I almost feel like... I always think about that. I'm, I'm like interested in knowing what a like vintage era like self-titled debut cut would sound like performed live these days like would she still bring out the old country accent like <laughs> if she did one of those tracks well she kind of um well she i mean she sang love story for the 1989 tour and made it and like redid it with like synths okay. and stuff and it was pretty cool um and then she um that's kind of cool. yeah but at the reputation tour she actually sings a whole lot of old songs and she she did a bad uh she did bad blood and should have said no mashup actually interesting um, oh weird that sounds pretty cool actually it's fun it's really fun life the whole thing was a blur though because that was right after taylor sang to me so i think i just <laughs> partially just blanked out <laughs> but you know <laughs> yeah, maybe it wasn't a mashup. Maybe you were just losing time. Yeah, I was just... You might have just... Yeah. <laughs> you've been blacking out and coming to. <laughs> I, I remember I just went back to my seat because, like, the security let me run to the front, and then they let me run back for some reason. Um, but anyway, so I ran back to my mom and just cried for, like, four songs. I think that I think that this hook is... is it's so syllable-heavy that, like, I feel like a, a more seasoned Taylor Swift could sing it a little better. Yeah, she can. Yeah. It, seeing it live now is, like, really funny because she's, like... I don't know. It's way. It's way more like, I don't know, powerful or something. Cause she just, yeah, she like has better like enunciation and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so the dude that she wrote this about, um, there was like this like game show thing like, I saw I watched like a year ago where it's called like I think it's it's I think it's sort of essentially like two truths and a lie or something. Um, but anyway, so it's like there. Oh no no, it's like there's like they line up these people and there's like a thing that said which one of us do you think dated Taylor Swift and then they all like say like ooh it was me it was ooh it was me and then they have to and then like the judges or whatever have to decide which one actually did date Taylor Swift and that was one of the dudes who should have said no was written about um and oh crazy yeah it was so weird and so he said uh yeah Taylor thought I was cheating but I actually wasn't <laughs> so according to him he didn't cheat so well maybe he's just protecting his own brand he could have been a he could have been a two time dog. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's possible. Yeah, they, they, he showed this picture of them from high school. It's so funny. It was like at their prom, and like Taylor's like, oh, it's so funny because Taylor has this like frizzy hair up in like a bun, and then like he looks like I don't. He looked like the biggest redneck ever. I'm definitely interested in like seeing some pictures of pre stylist Taylor Swift. Oh, it's so funny. Her hair is. Her, she said that her hair, like I mean, her hair is like super curly it's not really anymore apparently but like back in the day it was just like really super naturally curly like all the time and she tried to she tried to straighten her hair one day to go to school and she missed like a whole section in the back so like all the like front section and side section of her hair was straight but the back was just completely frizzy and curly that is that <laughs> and is she said everyone made fun of her that is excellent taylor that is primo <laughs> taylor <laughs> But yeah, that, that, that broke her, so she never straightened her hair uh, during school again for, like, a long time. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about this next song? Mary's song, parentheses, Oh My, 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 My? She said, I was seven and you were nine. I looked at you like the stars that shine in the sky, the pretty light. 
This is another one I would cut. Ah, oh, really? It's my second favorite on the whole album. Really? I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. not. It just doesn't really. It feels a little too saccharine, and it doesn't really <laughs> add to my understanding of who Taylor is on this record. I think it's like the cor- The chorus isn't bad, but I just don't really care about it that much. I think I fall somewhere between the two of you. Like musically, this one doesn't really interest me so much, but I think it's a. I think it's a good piece of writing. I think there's some 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 good writing here. It is a little bit treacly, but like. I don't know. It feels too country tropey. Our daddies used to joke about the two of us. Yeah. They never believed we'd really fall in love. Yeah. I get that. <laughs> yeah, whenever she says daddies in Taylor Swift songs, it's just, it's like very country. Um, but yeah, she wrote this for her, her like neighbors or like family who are like family friends who'd been, who'd known each other from, since they were like really little. Um, it's like an anniversary gift two of my friends have sons who are the same age as ramona they were all like born a few <laughs> months apart and i sing this mm-hmm. i sing this version of of the song two princes by the spin doctors that are about them and it, <laughs> it goes oh. it goes uh one two princes are before you that's what i said now desmond felix both adore you just go ahead now so maybe someday this song will be about ramona to get, getting married to desmond or felix <laughs> possible maybe but yeah this this song is so cute it's like it's very pure there's a lot of like pure taylor out songs on this album <laughs> like stay beautiful and stuff but this isn't about this is not about real life stuff she didn't actually date some kid that no. she grew up with is that <laughs> yeah, this, yeah this is like from the perspective of her neighbor <laughs> i don't know yeah i think that, i think it's sweet i like yeah. the i like the mom mom rolling her eyes and saying oh my 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 there's something that's very sweet about that yeah and also one of my best friends who's like equally as swifty as I um her name's Mary so this is this is it's Mary's song also this is like kind of off topic but in um in love story the video they they like film it at a castle and the castle's called castle gwen so oh interesting so that you do have some kind of spiritual connection yeah there's this there's this audio clip of or or like this little video clip of taylor going castle gwen is awesome and so i was like oh can you cut out i i did i did do that i did (laughs) gwen is awesome okay uh, almost as awesome as that is this next song, which I love and have always loved, and is yes. probably still a top ten. This is my third favorite. Top ten Taylor Swift song for me to this day. I love this song. Our song. I was riding shotgun with my hair undone in the front seat of his car. He's got a one hand feel on the steering wheel, the other on my heart. I don't like it you don't? that much, but I think it's definitely one of the best singles on the album, uh-huh. and it's really good, and it keeps getting stuck in my head, <laughs> and it has a really infectious chorus. That's fair. It's an amazing, it's like in that, it's, it breathes a rarefied air of country pop crossover singles, along with like This Kiss by Faith Evans, and all these songs that like, I love it. And, and also, I think this might be like the ultimate example of universality through specificity in pop music songwriting in general like Mm -hmm. the idea of like by getting really nitty gritty with the details you know talking talking real slow because it's late and your mama don't know and slamming screen doors like that's all that sensory information that's so specific makes this the most universal feeling song on the record yeah 
Like, and also, yeah, everyone always talks about the line that's you know talking real slow because like talk, like saying it slower doesn't make it any real quieter. slow. <laughs> Very good. Yes, yeah, so like everyone's like you should have just said real low. Like that would have been like it would have been the same. It's real slow sounds better though. Yeah, it sounds better. Though. I know, right? I, I I've never really had a problem with it, but everyone always points it out. Maybe the fact that real and low both end and begin with the same letter, real low, it just doesn't sound as good. I don't know. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I bet I bet Taylor passed on low and, and went to slow. Because because of that. I do I do giggle when I think about this song from the perspective of the boyfriend. So like can I give you a, here's a little <laughs> skit of okay. of of our song from the perspective okay. of Taylor's mm-hmm. boyfriend, okay? Okay. So here's the boyfriend's little inner monologue uh, driving this girl home. Oh son of a bitch, she's upset about <laughs> something again. Hey, hey, what's wrong? Is everything okay, honey? I'm just sad because we don't have a song. Ugh. <laughs> Good God! Uh, well, honey, our song is you know when we when we talk on the phone together, and then she like gets that crazy look in her eyes. She's like, "Hand me that napkin and that pen." Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, I actually wonder if she actually did write it on. Oh, that feels right. That feels real. I, feel I, don't, I don't know. I don't think she did, but. You can see the original lyrics to, I think it is our song, at the Taylor Swift Experience in L.A., which my parents won't drive me to. Is that a permanent museum? Um, it, it was there for, like, a really long time, and it kind of tours around, but it has, like, her costumes and, like, original handwritten lyrics, and, like, you can, like, oh, my gosh, it's so great, and I was so upset when I couldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they had, like, a mini one at, the, at my 1989 show, because they had her fearless, her, like, sparkly fearless dress there, and, um... Oh my gosh, I was, <laughs> I okay, so at the show, I was like, I went up there and I was like, I don't know why, but I said it was the Speak Now dress on accident. I, like, I knew it was the Fearless dress, obviously, but anyway, so I said it was the Speak Now dress on accident, and there was this girl next to me, and she turned and looked at me, and she said, that's the Fearless dress. <laughs> and I was like, I know it's the Fearless, like, <laughs> I didn't mean to say, it was, it was so embarrassing. But and then later she blocked. Then later she like tumbled about it. Like fans like that shouldn't even be allowed inside of the experience. Yeah, <laughs> you'll never meet Taylor if you like mess up like trivia that important though. Gwen. Exactly. Never, never. I'll be turned away at the rep room door. Mama Swift will come to you and say, "That's a nice dress, dear." But next time, try to remember which album it's from. <laughs> So that's that's the main that's the main body of the album. Do we want to talk about some of these bonus tracks? I don't really have much to say about these bonus tracks, but I feel like they're all very fillery. Like, uh, I'm Only Me When I'm With You has never really been my favorite. Um, I really like I'm Only Me When I'm With You. So let's talk about it. I don't really like it, but I like it. I think it's cool. I think it's a total jam. I think this should have been the closer on the album. I feel that. I really like hearing Taylor Helm such like a driving rock song, and I love all the instrumental flourishes in the chorus, like the fiddle stuff and like the scratchy guitar stuff. I do like the fiddle, yeah. The fiddle also really shines in the post-chorus. I love that part. I really like the fiddle, too, and I like the instrumentation during that pre-chorus, that like the drums really hype it up. That Very good. Yeah. I think this would have been a cool one to go out with. I think this video seems like it must be, it must be like a whole grail for Swifties because yeah. you get so so many great looks at like her and her friends and hanging out and 
doing stuff. Yeah, it's super cute. It's um, it's also kind of funny on the um on her Vivo channel. For some reason, the Rs video had the had the thumbnail of the "I'm Only Me When, when I'm With You" video for like years, and they just never changed it. <laughs> and the Rs video is like its whole own thing. It has like its own story. It's like a completely different era, but for some reason, it had the thumbnail of "I'm Only Me When I'm With You." for like years gotta call YouTube and, and make them fix that you know? yeah and then they changed it and it was like a guys they changed the thumbnail of ours <laughs> that was a big day that was a big day yeah it was yeah <laughs> is this song is this song problematic you guys because it, it almost reads as like a little bit anti-feminist or like a little bit like it's definitely codependent well I know it's it's not romantic it's platonic I was thinking that too I, I think it's about her mom maybe because she writes about her mom a lot. But doesn't she say a boy and a girl? Like a... Oh, yeah. I read on Genius that the song is about Taylor and her best friend, Abigail Anderson. Yeah, but... Small town boy and small town girl, though. And then, like, yeah, it, sometimes it seems like... Sometimes it seems like it's about her not feeling like she can be her authentic self when she's unless she's with this person. But then sometimes it feels much more codependent than that. Like, I'm only up when you're not down is about as codependent as lyrics get. It, sure. But I do, I agree with you, Trevor. Like, I like the instrumentation a lot on here. I just, I just, I guess I can't quite jump in with you as, like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's okay. God forbid a teenager not have a 100% well thought out, healthy perspective on relationships. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I kind of like this next one, I gotta say, Glenn. I know you're, you're saying that the stuff is fillery, but I think that Invisible has a no, very. No, I like Invisible. I do. <laughs> Invisible is also another one that I could see making its way onto the album, but I'm. This is another one of those songs that I'm a big fan of because it's like a Taylor versus other girls song. It's also very. She she really does have her country accent in full force here. But that that little move she does, that little melody move, light up when you smile. That little move she does is so exquisite. It's beautiful. That's also fun. It definitely has that cold as you tied together arrangement issue with like the quiet first verse and then the stripped down final chorus but and like the, the the hook maybe has a little bit too much of like Taylor punching real hard at the top of her, her range but again I think that there's like some really beautiful melody moves on here that I that I find to be quite nice. I also think that this is like the most manipulative and conniving Taylor gets on the record. <laughs> like I really like when she's like just pointing down this other girl she's like there's a fire inside of you that can't help but shine through she's never going to see the light no matter what you do yeah yeah there's definitely playing races against the the table yeah 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 i like this song a lot it's a jam big fan of this last one though a perfectly good heart you guys i got i got i gotta i gotta stand up for this one why would you want to break a perfectly good heart why you want to take our love and tear it all apart now why would you want to make the very first scar why would you want to break a perfectly good heart this is my 
This is my least favorite. This is also my least favorite bonus track. And and I I did the I did the the Grand Taylor Swift sorter, you know, where you like pick your favorites and like takes like an hour and a half or whatever. Um, and and this is my least favorite Taylor Swift song, uh, in according to every single other one. Yeah, this this one really didn't do anything for me. I I guess let me go let me go to bat for it. Mm-hmm. Tell you what okay. I like. Uh, so this is the only song on the record that starts with the chorus, which I think is a really good change of pace. That is like true. The, because I think some of these songs are a little bit structurally samey. I really like her coming like right out of the door with this hook. Uh, it always kind of jump scares me when it comes on shuffle. I think this is a great <laughs> idea for a pop song, and I can't believe that I can't think of any other pop songs that, that take this angle. Like, there are a lot of Don't Break My Heart songs, but the twist of it being somebody who's like never had their heart broken before... I, th- I think it's great. Yeah, this is the first song she wrote about heartbreak. I think it's great. Why would you want to make the very first scar? That's such a smart... Yeah, I think that the concept of it is really good. I just don't really... I'm not really as into it, like, like melodically, I guess. Yeah, I would agree with Gwen. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the melody. I, like, the musically, it's fine, but I'm more, I'm more just interested in it as, like, a very smart piece of pop songwriting. Like, just because I just... There's so many pop songs about heartbreak. I don't think I can remember hearing another artist take this particular angle and there's something that's so you know like a virgin is kind of about getting into a new relationship and and being so in love that it feels like it's something that's new but this is like the different Mm -hmm. this is the 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 sort of the dark sister of that idea you know making the very first scar i don't know this it does it for me guys like i don't know what to tell you i like it well i'm i'm happy for you (laughs) i'm i'm happy that the song has a fan on the show (laughs) Would you guys be interested in hearing my, like, abridged version of Taylor Swift's debut album? Like, a super tight 10-track version I put together? Yes, yeah, of course. With two bonus tracks at the end. Because I think mm-hmm. the perfect way to consume a pop album is a nice even 10 tracks with two bonus songs, just in case you want a little more afterwards. I like that. <laughs> so, got side one. Mm-hmm. Tim McGraw, Pictures to Burn, Teardrops on My Guitar, A Place in This World, Cold as You. Pretty... Yeah. That's exactly the same, I think. Seems right. Yeah, it is. Side <laughs> side two, the outside, tied together with a smile, stay beautiful, should have said no, and our song. See, but Man, I... skipping right over. Yeah. Yeah, I think I only really cut... Uh, Mary's song. And then I would include two two bonus tracks, Invisible and Go Out With, I'm Only Me When I'm With You. I like that. Before I would cut Mary's song, I would probably cut, like... Uh, tied together with a smile, maybe. Yeah, tied together with a smile. That would be that would be my that would probably be my my cut. I considered losing that one and should have said no, but I could keep them and like the album is still like a nice, I feel that solid like thirty five minutes. So like, why get rid of something you don't really I need love to? Should have said no. I'll let her have them. Yeah, Gwen, I don't want to get ahead of the show because I'm sure we'll be like talking about how we feel about each album ranked. But I was wondering, you know, as the biggest Taylor Swift fan on the podcast, how does this album kind of where does it place in terms okay, of like I think I think that it's my least favorite but I feel like I, I don't want to like it feels like it's almost insulting to say least favorite you know but like it's just it's you know it's 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 I see you know <laughs> I like it I love it I, I I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it and I'm very much on board for the next one which is what fearless is that the next fearless, one fearless yay uh, do you guys want to do Fearless Platinum Edition as well? Because that comes with seven extra tracks. Gee, seven? That's insane. That's a lot. I, Maybe we'll each choose our favorite bonus track and bring that to the show to talk about. That's a okay, good yeah, idea. yeah that, that's, that's fair. That sounds good. <laughs> and something else I'd like to do is invite our listeners to chime in and voice their opinions about what they think of the album, too. So if you'd like to maybe hear yourself on the show, you can give our Google Voice number a call at 513 513- 
1989 and tell us what you think about Taylor Swift's second album, Fearless. I know we're all hoping to get a better idea of how the, you know, the Swifties view Taylor's body of work. So again, that number is 513-468-1989. Other than that, you can follow the show on Podient at stateofswift.podient.com. And uh, do we want to say where they can find us on social media as well? Yes, my Twitter is all the angels say like one word. Dylan, where are you? I'm at Dylan Flynn. My first name and my last name, all one word with no fancy schmancy tricks. And I'm at Trevor Ickrath with all the vowels taken out. So it's T-R-V-R-K-R-T-H. A lot of fancy tricks. <laughs> You're a fancy boy. Fancy. I'm a fancy boy. Okay, so that's it, right? Is there a good Taylor Swift lyric that uses like the word goodbye in it? I have a sign-off, but it's bad. <laughs> oh, no. Like, so bad that it's good, I think. Oh, guess what is it? I would ha- just have to say it in the moment. <laughs> okay, okay. So maybe we should... Uh... <laughs> hey, thanks so much for listening to the very first episode of Stayin' of Swift. Uh, you should definitely let us know what you thought about it. But until next time, who are we? I'm Dylan Flynn. I'm Trevor Ickrath. I'm Gwen. Until next time, stay Swifty. <laughs> stay Swifty. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Pretty I kind good. of felt that coming. I was riding shotgun with my hair undone in the front seat of his car. I grabbed a pen and an old napkin and I wrote down our song. Castle Gwen. It's awesome.